when you know what that is, when you know what your 50,000 foot view of your life is, what your areas of focus, what your big projects and goals in life are, it's much, much easier to say yes and no to things. Without that, like anything can make it onto your plate and you can end up doing things that are completely irrelevant and sometimes even take you in the opposite direction of where you're trying to go. So that view is critical. You can't do anything task-based until you have that. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Welcome. All right. Today, I'm bringing on my business partner, Jonathan Ainu. He's the chief operating officer at Growth Hit. Now, when I was starting the company, I thought I was somewhat productive, but then I met Jonathan and I realized I was average at best. The way he runs the company, the way he runs his life is extremely impressive. So for anyone out there that's getting started with their own company, is taking a new job or just wants to up their game, I think you're going to get something out of today. In this episode, he talks about the systems and frameworks that he uses to run his systems, whether it's the Eisenhower matrix or things he's learned from books like Atomic Habits. He also gives some hacks that you can use around the idea of time blocking, batch work, context switching, to help you get the most out of the hours you have in your day. So I really hope this one is helpful and would love to get your feedback on this one. Hit me up on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman, but I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Jim. Yeah, I got an email from my wife the other day and in, in the, you know, how you can like see the preview of an email and it said, great podcast. I was like, oh, this is awesome. My wife's going to praise me for working hard on this. And I opened it up, said, great podcast with Jonathan. He's so good. He's articulate and he sounds great. End of email. It wasn't anything about me or how fantastic I was. It was 100% about you. And I got other people requesting more Jonathan. So, so back by popular demand, you are here. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I uh, hope I can share some wisdom. Okay, so you are the CEO of GrowthEd, the Chief Operating Officer. And when you've come in, I thought I was fairly good at project management and productivity. But after working with you, I realized I am average at best. You have taken our company to a whole nother level. And so I want to talk about that. Talk about this idea of being more productive because I think this could be helpful for people, whether they're running a company or just trying to run their own division or run their life. So if I want to be more productive, where should I even start? Yeah, so I would actually even step out of like the whole conversation around productivity and try to define it a bit more. So productivity, I think, to the average person would be like, how much work are you doing on a typical day? I used to think the same thing. And then I think a few years ago, I read uh, Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. That, was, that, that book was a complete game changer for me. It actually taught me that there's being effective and then there's being efficient. Uh, my whole goal was being efficient. Like the amount of work that I was doing was all I was focused on, not so much what exactly I was doing. And I think when you get out of that mindset of like how much work you're doing and using that to measure your productivity and instead thinking about it as, am I being effective? It's a complete different mindset. It's a completely different game you're playing as well. So that's where I would start. And in terms of where you would start on how you could become productive, I would first build a system, a system that you trust, that is a place where you can input all the the data that's coming to you, all the requests, 
all the invites, all the things you have to do, all the things people expect from you. And then that system will spit out exactly what you need to do in priority and in context. So at this very time, I know that talking to you on this podcast is the one thing I need to be doing. And once this is over, I, I know there will be another priority waiting for me to tackle. And when you design your life that way, you're always knocking out the top priorities and not just chasing like loose tasks that just happen to be on your to-do list that's not organized, that may in the moment make you feel like you're making progress. But in truth, actually, at the end of the day, you'll just feel burned out and you won't feel satisfied if you have that kind of mindset. So first, build a system. We can go into details on like how you even begin building that system, but building the system that you trust, that collects all your information and tells you what you need to do at any given time is by far the most important place to start, especially in this day and age where we have so much inputs. I can't believe there's some people who still exist today who like use their memory to tell them what to do. Like that's like that's unbelievable to me. And um, yeah, I live with my system and my system tells me exactly what I need to be doing. And that means I am more often than not very effective. Okay, so step one, build a system. What does that mean? What does that look like? Should I be choosing a productivity management software like Todoist or Asana, or maybe it's not about the technology, it's figuring out using a, what framework you should use. What, what does that mean to choose a system? Yeah, I'm glad you, you said that at the end. I'm actually very tool agnostic. I would first start like thinking about what that system is. I personally use the GTD system. I mean, that's like my second religion, to be honest with you. GTD, will you say what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Getting Things Done by David Allen. It is built for actually all types of people. It's not just executives. Initially, the way it was set up was for executives, busy people, but it's for everyone. I mean, your mom could use it. Your daughter could use it. Anyone could use it. And the whole point of this system, I could just go into a little bit of depth, is showing you how to like accept all these inputs in your life. You might get an, e an email, a phone call, a task, a request from your boss, something that happened at home. It creates an inbox, or at least it, part of it, the most important part of it is the inbox where you accept all that information process it in different contexts and priorities, and then act on it at any given time. You could use any, like you could use paper and pen to build the system. I'm very digital, so I use only digital. And you can go on and on, like there's so many things. Something is like as simple as the bullet journal, which I've actually been reading the book on that just recently. Very fascinating system. And then there are many others as well, but bullet journal would be like the most manual pen and paper version. GTD, at least in most implementations, is like the most tech-based type system, but you can like, we can totally nerd out on this call about systems, but I would definitely say find something that works for you. Uh, people who need pen and paper, I would say resort to like the bullet journal method. If you're more like digital, need your, your system in different devices, on different devices and easily available to you at any time, then I would say GTD is probably the way to go. And if not, you could just even create your own hybrid system. That's probably what I've done as well. So yeah, that's what I would say. Gotcha. So GTD, getting things done, it's really about a system, whether using digital or pen and paper, of how you're taking in all of your tasks. So you're like, okay, great, Jonathan, I'm taking all of these tasks in, they're being filtered in. How do you figure out what to actually focus on so you actually have an impact and you're not just focusing on the squeaky wheel or the most recent thing that came in? Yeah, that's that's a brilliant question. And actually the one thing you need to do even before you deal with like how do you process tasks and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis is like take a 50,000 level view of your life. I mean like that, looking at your life at that level will give you insight on what your biggest priorities are, like the pillars, the main pillars in your life, the different roles you play in your life. And 
from that, you can begin thinking about like what your goals are, which would be like, I'd say 30,000 view, 30,000 foot view of your life. And then you'd go further down from like, what are the areas of focus in my life? And then projects and then tasks. Tasks are like the, the things that you can do right now. But to get to that point, to decide if that thing even deserves your attention, you need to have that high level view on your life that tells you that this piece, this next action fits in this larger thing that you're built, trying to build in your life. So when you know what that is, when you know what your 50,000 foot view of your life is, what your areas of focus, what your big projects and goals in life are, it's much, much easier to say yes and no to things. Without that, like anything can make it onto your plate and you can end up doing things that are completely irrelevant and sometimes even take you in the opposite direction of where you're trying to go. So that view is critical. You can't do anything task-based until you have that. That's extremely helpful. Let, let's put some color on this. So let's take, for example, you. You're like, okay, I, I had this big initiative where we're doing a big upgrade on our positioning and the website that you know will have a high impact, but it's not necessarily really urgent. But then you have other inputs coming in like a client that has some task that they deem urgent that you need to focus on. How do you manage your day around this flood of things that are coming at you? So at that level, I would use something like the Eisenhower matrix. The Eisenhower matrix, I think the first time I read that was on um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Effective People. And it's, it's a system where now we're talking at task level. So we're like, this is where the, like the rubber hits the road, right? So you need a system where you have all these tasks and how do you prioritize them? What, like, what is your framework for doing that? And Eisenhower kind of helps people build that kind of system. So there are urgent, important tasks. That's like, let's say a client is freaking out. We need to do something immediately. Like it is very time sensitive. It has to be done. And then you have your very important, but not urgent. So that project you mentioned would fit in that bucket. It would be very important, but it doesn't have to be done today or even tomorrow. There is some wiggle room there. And then, and then the other quadrant of this matrix is the very urgent but not important things. Like let's say there's a bill that's outstanding. It's not important, but you have to get it done or you'll incur a fee. And then there's like these not in non-important and non-urgent things. Like let's say that favorite Netflix show that you like to watch. So I think when you have that view, when you have all these tasks in front of you and you can pass it through that filter, it gives you a much, much better chance of picking out the very important tasks that are not necessarily urgent. If you noticed, actually, the most important things, like the things that will move the needle in your life are actually in that second quarter that are important, but not urgent. There's no time, like there's no deadline or boss looking over you. It's a project that you're doing with your own initiative that you, if you want, don't have to do really. Like there's no external pressure. It's usually comes from some, from internal source. And those are the important projects. Those fall in that second quarter. And unfortunately, the important but very urgent, like those house burning type tasks, compete with those. And uh, you, you really have to have some discipline to focus on those. And really, the way to take those tasks and make sure you do them is to use time blocking. And time blocking is a system where you force yourself, like you block out time on your calendar. And the only thing you can do during that time is these important but non-urgent tasks. Those are the things that will move you ahead in life. And time blocking is like, is a very proven system. I use it every day. And if you time block in during parts of the day where you have the highest energy, when you're likely to have the least distractions, you're more likely to get ahead and get those things done. But unfortunately, most of us, even the most disciplined people, leave those important but non-urgent tasks to like the end of the day 
when like the urgent things have already been done. And during that time, you're either tired or there are other pressing things that you have to get to. So those things often get uh, left undone. And yeah, those projects suffer. Yeah, let's go deeper on time blocking because that's a really good framework to use because in theory, what you're saying sounds amazing, but an application gets really messy because like you said, even most disciplined people, they can be pulled into all these quote unquote urgent things that derail what you want to do. And one thing, when we started working together, you did time blocking before I even knew what that was because I would send you something in Slack and you wouldn't get back to me for like an hour, 90 minutes. And I'm used to people responding immediately. I'm like, hey, what's he doing? And all of a sudden, you would come back because you were in deep work working on something, have some amazing deliverable. And then you respond to all of these questions in Slack within three to five minutes. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And one thing that we think of is that we're trying to like run a team is you have to allow people freedom to do deep work. And so we really try and embrace time blocking by having days with no meetings, sections of days with no meetings. One thing, can you give some tips on that? Because how you time block for email or how you do batch work with certain types of work, because I think those little hacks can help people that are trying to figure out a way to dip their toe in the water of, of being more productive. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. So there, there are two ways you can go about this. You can time block the important things, or you can time block the distractions. And I prefer to time block the distractions, what I call distractions, like email or Slack. That's really a distraction to me. So what I would do is, like, I passionately hate email. So that one was very easy for me to time block. I would say like X, like I, I remember using this app called Pause Inbox. So I wouldn't get those notifications until a certain amount of time. And when that time came, I'd get my inbox would be flooded. And that was the trigger for me to go and deal with those emails. So there was never really an opportunity for me to deal with those emails because I couldn't even see them. So you have to use these tricks and hacks to make sure that you're like that thing, you're not using your willpower, essentially. The most aggressive version of this, I remember reading this book called Daily Rituals, artists and like very notable people. There were authors that would go into the woods, really, and remove themselves from civilization, take a typewriter into the woods, and that was all they could do. That was them time blocking their most important thing. What I described earlier about using that hack on email was time blocking the distraction. So you can go about it either way. Those are like two aggressive versions of those two examples I, I shared. But yeah, I use both, but I've noticed that it's the distractions I have to deal with. Because if I eliminate the distractions, naturally, I have nothing else to do but to deal with that important thing. And thankfully for me, like email and Slack are really things that I hate. Like I, it just, it's a drain on me. So time blocking them and like putting them away and dealing with them at only specific times is, is very easy for me. But I guess this is something that you just need to know your own behavior to deal with. But those are two methods I would go about when you're time blocking. So when you're time blocking and you're not in email or Slack mode, do you shut it down or do you still have it up in your discipline not to look at that, that little pop-up notification in the top right? Like, what do you do? Absolutely. So I'll shut it down, close out Slack completely. Same thing with email. Another thing is on your phone, like just the notifications on your phone. You can go in and eliminate those in the settings. I do that so I never get pinged on the phone. I have to go to the desktop to do it. I remember having two computers, one for work and one for your, what you call like client, like the important and urgent things that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And then another one for these important projects. And I didn't have any of my your typical work communication tools on there. So when I was on there, the only thing I could do really was just sit down and get the bigger things done. So this is just me knowing that I don't have willpower in the face of these things, that I had to come up with these tricks and hacks to make sure I was doing the thing I had to do. And that was very effective. 
And if you guys want more details on this, like Deep Work by Cal Newport is literally the Bible. He wrote the Bible on how to remove these distractions and do the meaningful things that move the needle in our lives. So I would definitely use that as reference for sure. I am envious of how ruthless you are with your systems and tools around you. It's it's very impressive. So I hear people say it's you've got to win the morning, win the day. You have the quote of eat the frog, right? Do the hardest or biggest task first. What's your morning routine? Is that important? How do you think about that? Yeah, so essentially, the one thing, I use my morning routine to give me a feeling of victory as soon as possible. So when you have even a little bit of momentum, like essentially, you've already won, like you're starting at a very good position. Whereas if you're chasing the day, like you haven't had any success, like you haven't done things that you'd say you already do, you're in a bad place. I've noticed that just monitoring my mood. And the one thing I've noticed, like I used to have a ridiculous morning routine, just reading these books about people who are life hacking, where they would do yoga and sprinting and running and like meditation, like these very hard to do things on a very consistent basis. And I dumbed it down. I read this book called Motivation Hacking, I remember a while back, and you have to make the ask as small as possible to the point where there's literally no way you can say no. There's this guy who called BJ Fogg, a Stanford professor who used to study human habits, and he said, you have to make it small, like to the point where you're just flossing one tooth. You can't say no to flossing one tooth. It's so simple, right? But when you make it a small ask, it's easy to build a habit around it. So I just do three yoga poses, for example. And that's like literally the only thing I do for the body uh, just to get jump started. And then there's just a 10 second prayer. That's the only ask. And then there's this one paragraph just to get myself started that I read in the morning. And if I knock those three things out, I know that I've started the day right, uh, regardless of what happens. And it just gives you a feeling of victory that you've, you've done what you said you'll do. And for coming from that, it's much easier to tackle bigger things because you have momentum going into them. So that's the approach I follow. Amazing. So one tied to body, one tied to mind. It also reminds me of James Clear and Atomic Habits, where he has this idea of habit stacking, where if you can do one, if you know you're going to do one thing on a reoccurring basis, tie the good habit that you always want to do with that thing. Is that something that you think about? Absolutely. So this is the trigger. It's like the leading domino of everything else. And I know that once I knock this down, I almost don't need willpower to do the next things because there's muscle memory that's been developed and it just follows naturally. One thing I would say though is the big mistake I've noticed people do is they have very aggressive habits that they want to build out just from the start. And that's just not how humans work. If you make it very hard on yourself, it just takes one day when you're just not in that mood. And then once you break it, you start this negative chain where you lose I don't want to say self-respect, but definitely you no longer trust what you say. And it's just a a bad spiral. Most people go into that. So start as small as possible, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to have an impact, like flossing one tooth doesn't make sense. But you're trying to reduce the bar of success so low that it's impossible for you to fail. And that's the state you need to be in, in my opinion. So true. I, I set a goal for, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions and goal setting. I made a goal to do one push up per day. Because like you said, it's, it's like flossing one tooth. It's something that's so doable that if I didn't do it, it's just a joke. But obviously, if I'm down there doing one push-up, I'm probably going to do a few more. But it's, it's so true because if you're saying, hey, I'm going to do 250 push-ups a day, oh my goodness, no thank you. So I love the tips you're giving on getting into the actual task and implementation of it. But taking a step back, it's 
it's goal setting. We'll act like it's first of the year. Everybody's got their New Year's resolutions, whether it's for themselves or their planning goals for their business. How do you approach those big undertakings and that process of laying out your goals? Yeah. So the most important part of this process, at least in my opinion, and just based on experience doing this for like decades, really, to be honest, and is that you need that 50,000 level. You need to have that high level view of your life as a whole, what you're trying to accomplish, the main pillars in your life, like what are the different roles you play in your life? And then further down from that, maybe areas of focus and then like projects and goals. Projects and goals is very far down. It's almost, it's closer to the task level. And the reason you do this is when you just come up with a random goal, let's say you want to lose X pounds, unless you can connect it to this larger meaning in your life, it's an orphan goal. That's actually what, I, what I've heard other people call it. Like it has no larger meaning. And the whole point of looking at your goals from a high level is you're attaching meaning and charging them with emotions. So when you have to do it, it's, it's much easier. You know why that thing is important and you know why you're dedicating time in your day to do that thing. And it just gives you that additional motivation and impetus to get it done. So that's the first thing I would do, even before you even start like defining what those goals are. It's like, what is the high level thing that you're trying to achieve and uh, who you're trying to become, which I think is like another important thing that, you, that has to be discussed. And then at that level, it's really just defining what those goals are in different timeframes. So if you know what your, let's say, 10, goal, 10 year goal is and being as aggressive as possible on that, it's much easier to know using that as, as like the, the deadline with that three-year goal needs to be one-year goal. And then you can even break it down into quarters, which I do, and then months and weeks and days. So starting at the high level is like the most important thing. And unless you set that, you'll just have a bunch of goals that feel like wants and desires and wants and desires just don't get accomplished. There's just nothing behind it. So that's the high level thing that I would definitely first set before any goal setting happens. That's really well laid out. You've mentioned quite a few resources where should people start if like, okay, I'm into what Jonathan's saying, I'm going to be more productive, where would you point them? So there are many. We can start with like the first few resources I said, Effective Executive, GTD, if you're into like building your system, potentially even the Bullet Journal, which I think has some very interesting tools and techniques that you can potentially use into building that system. And then when you come down more into the goal setting discussion, I would say something like The One Thing, which is a book that um, the Keller Williams team the guy behind it, Gary Keller, wrote, I think that has a very, very well thought out system on how to define goals and then chunk them down into the current moment, what you need to be doing today to reach your one week, one month, quarter and year goals. So that's like, that's my go to resource. The one thing, uh, then there's like OKRs, uh, John Doerr, I think the VC behind Kleiner Perkins or yeah, yeah, Kleiner Perkins wrote that book. And OKRs, I think, is pretty much a standard operating tool now used by most large companies, especially tech companies. And it's very inspiring. So I've created a hybrid of all of these, something that works for me. But I think it really depends on the person and their way, their style. I'm, I'm very like system agnostic, as, a, as long as it works for you. And more importantly, as long as it connects that 50,000 level view with the actual goal and then the task that you need to do next. Is awesome. I'll put all of these books in the show notes. I think you rattled off over 10, which is quite impressive throughout the, the entire talk. I'm inspired. I'm going to put down the donut. I'm going to have a better routine. Um, let's do this. Jonathan, where can people find more about you or get in contact with you? I think the best way would be on LinkedIn. And I, Jim, you'll probably link out to that as well. But that would be the, the most, the easiest way to reach out to me and get in contact. 
Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks, Jonathan. I'll try not to blow you up on Slack too much in the near future, but thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money, but I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, Growthit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out growthhit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.